Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Well, welcome, everybody. It's been a while since we've been on uh, with the podcast, which you're listening to America's Community Voices Network. And our subject today is the evolving legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Yesterday we celebrated once again the Martin Luther King holiday. Uh, there were great activities all over the country reminding us and focusing on the principles of Dr. King. Uh, there's something that goes that's, that happened in the last few years, began during the Obama administration, a day of service. Uh, I think I'm correct about that, and uh, really focused on people giving back to their communities. But today we really want to talk about the overall impact of Dr. King on our society, and particularly on the issues that we face during this era of Trump hysteria. Our guest today is the pastor and founder of New Millennium Community Church, uh, Pastor Michael Neely, he's the senior pastor, and uh, uh, someone who has uh, uh, been serving the state of Florida for over 50 years as a community activist, as, as a civil rights leader, as an attorney, and it's Attorney Delano Stewart. Um, some of the questions that we're going to seek to answer is how has our country benefited from Dr. King's example and leadership? Has the African-American communities adapted the principles of Dr. King, and are those principles relevant for this generation? Additionally, we will contrast and compare how Dr. King's principles provides tools to effectively battle the racist tendencies of our current President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. Most importantly, how do we maintain Dr. King's principles of brotherhood and love in, day, in today's Trump hysteria? And with that, I introduce my co-host, my twin brother, Donald Jerome Brookins. Hello, Donnie. Hello, everybody. Um, I am looking forward to this show. Um, I'm more uh, sort of interested in talking about um, how Dr. King would have fared in this age of Trump and uh, this media area where you got 24-hour news service and you got social media, and would he have been a, as effective as he was uh, during the 50s and the 60s? So uh, I think this is going to be a great conversation. I think it would be a lot of good uh, information shared, and uh, let's get on with the discussion. So I want to begin by asking both of you uh, from different perspectives. Uh, Turn Stewart, from your perspective of having been uh, involved in civil rights for as many years as you have, and as an attorney, your perspective about Dr. King. And then I want to talk about, I want to talk to uh, uh, Pastor Neely, uh, being a religious leader, and being someone involved in the church, your perspective about those aspects of Dr. King's uh, 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 career and his life, and how uh, his, his religious training, how does that affect us, and how important was that to to his career. So we'll start with uh, Attorney Stewart. I uh, am amazed at the power of love. I uh, got up at 4.30 today 
of the March on Washington. There were no channels other than ABC, NBC, and CBS. And all of those stations predicted the fact that it had been overhyped and the March on Washington was not going to be a success. I got on the bus and I went downtown. And when I got off the bus, I know I was five or six miles away from the Lincoln Memorial. But I could hear Mahalia Jackson singing as soon as I alighted from that bus. And people talk about epiphanies. That was the first real epiphany that I think I've ever had in my lifetime. Because notwithstanding all of those TV broadcasts, I saw thousands of people coming from each and every direction. They were tall people, short people. I saw Jewish people with their yarmulkes on, and I saw priests. And uh, I, and it was interesting. And I had been at that time employed uh, on AT&T, and it was a real bad section of town, of D.C. I saw guys who would have cut their throat the night before, picking up paper, walking in a half a block to put in a trash receptacle. So I knew it was a day that was uh, being touched by God himself. And uh, notwithstanding... All of the people were there. Everybody was courteous. They were exuding love, and nobody was pushy. Everybody was helpful. And uh, so each of us knows I'm older than the gentleman I'm rounding down. I've known him all of that life. But what I know is the way you respond and the way Martin taught us to respond the hatred, having learned from uh, Gandhi that uh, often passive resistance and not to fight back allows you to reason and find a clear path. So I am very proud of the fact that I had the opportunity to participate, and I will always remember that date as long as I live, because it was a strong religious experience that I've ever had, and I have been an AME 84 years and have gone to church myriads of times. But the feeling of love enveloped the place. And because of that, we have instinctively been able uh, to brush off hate, not hate, not to give hate in return, because it vitiates your judgment and your ability to find a clear path to a better solution. And so uh, Martin, by example, uh, exudes that. And when you think of, about the night that he died, he had come into great prominence, but he was in Memphis to help the sanitation workers achieve fair pay. And that is what the lesson of love teaches you that my daddy slapped me down when I was in second grade, and I'll never forget it. 
Do not take your blessings and boast with them. Take your blessings and lift with them. Because I had the lesson to say I was smart, and he backhanded me. And whatever tools you're utilizing, you can't go to Nima and Marcus and Vine. You can't go to Saxon Avenue. Love is free, and it comes from God. Your ability. You can't make your child smarter or taller. You can teach him character, love, make him study to take a hit it once in a while. You're going to get bucked. And that's what Martin taught him. You know, uh, Pastor Neely, Donna and I have had the good fortune of knowing the attorney uh, since we were children. And besides my father, He's probably one of the most influential men in our lives because what he did was, and when he was a very young man, was he did a lot of things to try to motivate our mind in terms of reading and and challenging us to think about things things that that we we may face in life. So so it's so great to hear him give what I thought was a great synopsis uh, of what happened that day and, and how he feels about Martin Luther King. From your own perspective, Tell us about what, you, in terms of your life, what effect did Dr. King have on you, and how has he affected you since his death? And specifically as a minister, because you're a man of faith, uh, I, I, what type of role did King play in your life? Well, he he played a huge role. I I'm actually from Chicago. I spent the first 27 years of my life in Chicago, uh, born in 1957. And so uh, I grew up in a home uh, where my uh, mother and father were huge uh, admirers uh, of of Dr. King. Uh, I distinctly remember uh, as a little boy, uh, we we had several pictures of of Martin uh, in our house. Um, And so he, he was an inspiration, a visual inspiration, uh, before I was really um, old enough to understand uh, what he truly represented uh, and how uh, he uh, helped change uh, the the, fib- the fabric uh, of America. Uh, and so my, my mother was a very devout Christian, uh, and she loved Martin Luther King. And I, I remember the deep uh, remorse uh, and, and emotional pain that, that she and, and most of the people in the neighborhood we grew up in experienced uh, when Martin Luther King was uh, assassinated. But it probably wasn't until I uh, got older uh, in terms of becoming a teenager and really understanding uh, the impact uh, that Martin Luther King had uh, in terms of, of his spiritual uh, impact because everything he did uh, he did from a foundation uh, of love, which was rooted uh, uh, in, in the holy book, in scripture. And so I, I think that uh, his approach uh, ultimately was rooted in scripture. Uh, I think he was a remarkable example uh, of, of a man that uh, overcame uh, the odds uh, with a tool called called love, and as we all know, God is love. Uh, and, and I think his 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 approach 
was needed at that particular time uh, because ultimately uh, I am a believer in, in passing laws uh, and, and legislating certain things, but none of us can, can truly legislate on morality. We can pass laws to prevent certain things from happening, uh, to, pre- uh, uh, to prevent discrimination and racism, but we cannot legislate uh, up the intent of a person's heart. And I think uh, Martin's approach was designed not to just change laws, because I think we do need to change laws. We do need to have just laws and righteous laws for everybody. But I think his approach and his intent from a spiritual perspective was to challenge the conscience of man and to uh, effect change in his heart, which only God can do. Because the good book says it is the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. And so for me, uh, he was a great orator. Uh, I would listen to his speeches, uh, his oratorical skills, uh, his ability to, to impact audiences, his ability to connect with people on a deep level. Uh, and so for me, uh, uh, as a minister, he certainly was a huge inspiration uh, and still is to this day. Uh, I listened to him, and, and not only uh, to, to what he said, but how he said it, uh, and with the uh, pathos and then passion that he expressed it with. And so uh, I think that uh, if he were alive today, uh, I think he would fare well uh, in social media. Matter of fact, I think his impact would even be uh, more profound uh, and more impactful because it would be uh, everything he did and said would be global almost instantaneously versus back in the day, as our brother stated, when there really wasn't uh, social media and the kind of uh, news reporting um, that we have today. And so I'm, I'm a firm believer that, that love is the answer, but I also think that he showed that love is the answer, but love doesn't mean that we passively sit by and allow uh, uh, ourselves to become someone's doormats or footstools. Love is also uh, uh, a thing of action. And so that's the thing I I liked about Martin and appreciate about him uh, to this day. I want to Go ahead. Go ahead, Uh, Tony. Dr. Brookings, uh, who is Ronald Dow's father, at the time that Martin was killed, uh, and the town was on the verge of uh, being torn asunder. And he and I were talking, his office, my office, and his medical office were Jacob. And we said, what we need to do, because the sheriff was going to bring in the National Guard, and they abuked youthful white Southerners who would have been shooting us. So immediately we went to visit the sheriff and asked him if he would hold off so we could go in the community with love. And and, and Dr. and I knew uh, the community quite well and we found what was called the White Hat. And what's interesting how long ago that's been and I still see those. We've got people out of every neighborhood in Tampa and made them white house white hats so they could quell what would have been 
just horrendous uh, loss of life in our community. And uh, we were talking to them. Uh, he had been in the Navy and I'd been in the Air Force. And we were saying to the young people, first of all, uh, you all have not weaker leaders, which means uh, you got the plan if you fighting where you going to get your water from, where you going to milk and bread. You can't fight hungry, mm. uh, weak, or tired. So uh, I, I am still proud because the doctor and I found the White Hats, and I still see these people, these gentlemen, these people. And in fact, uh, our work was recorded in uh, the congressional record in, in the Colonel Report. So yes. uh, what I love that uh, Martin showed was action. It was not a passive. I mean, his, the march on Washington was a big, right. big deal. A lot of people. So everything that he did. And the day he died, Marshall was a sanitation worker. So it is, love is an action, not just, uh, just not, it's not just your feelings. It's getting the mind in a positive response to those things that are unfair and to try to do all in your power to remove them. You know, he was a healer, but, but you need doctors. You need lawyers. You need teachers. We all need each other to get concise ideas and lifting our communities. And then we become examples like Martin was, and we can be like Ronald and Donald have become, always working in the community, enlightening and learning. And we got to learn this. You've got to learn you know, uh, a man who woos you and learns more than you learn usually woos you. So you've got to have intellectual capacity to understand even the viciousness of what this administration trumps. These people are rich, they are deceptive, and all of what they do, they master it with nonsense. And they have a lot of people believing it. And they are really avaricious, greedy, selfish people. And until we remove and make fairness in all our communities and throughout life, we can have a better America. Turn to it. I want to give us perspective because the stuff you talk about in terms of the Colonel Commission and the White House, I remember vividly. And Donna and I were just preteens. Yeah, I was But I remember specifically the thing that happened with the the Chambers teenager that was shot, and uh, and there was a there was I mean some panic going on in the community that there would be rioting and everything. And and I think I don't know if that was the first time or the second time, but once again the White Hats were brought into play uh, to go into communities and 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 be the and be the ones to keep the peace within their own communities. And that to me was a real practical appliance. Of Dr. King's principles in terms of uh, uh, peaceful, peaceful, peaceful advocacy of uh, issues and civil rights issues related to your community, and it was a very smart way for these young men to. Because as as it went on on down the line, these young men were later later 
through your work and, and Dr. James Brickens' work and, and Mr. James Hammond. And, 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 became, and became leaders in the community. That's right. Like they were given training and given uh, governmental yeah. jobs, and, and, and they became leaders in the community. So, you know, I, it's something that I, I've never forgotten. It's always stuck with me. I remember it. I remember the night after it was all over, and my father had this big barbecue at our house, and all That's of these right. guys that were in the White House were there. My mother cooked a big vat of baked beans and potato salad. We had all type of barbecue. <laughs> it, 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 it was a big celebration because yeah. something had been accomplished without any more loss of life. Well, but see, there is not, nothing wrong with ebullient proficiency and celebrating a victory. You know, we yeah. always say hallelujah is the highest praise we know, but it does not mean that you should not feel good about interacting with others, improving it, and then don't take the credit. Love gets the credit, and as the pastor says, Jesus is love, as Martin well know, and all of us know. Because had we not had certain benefits and certain educational training, the only thing that separates one man from another is the blessing that God puts on him and then what you do with the blessing. Because you know you can take a blessing and misuse it and abuse it, or you can take it and make a... Uh, do something in the community to expand it, make it better. Your father not only practiced medicine, everybody in the community knew him and they trusted him and he uplifted them because he never acted superior to anybody. He just know he had gifts. Gift, gift was medicine and he gave it to his community as righteousness. And it's with all the stress you had. And that's what you, the two of you have done with your. And I'm. And Dale, and Dale, I'm proud to say that my brother, Dr. James Brooker II, has pretty much done and tried to do the same things that my father has done. And he certainly. Has done very, very well, and he has utilized his knowledge of medicine, and he made money, and he invested, and he used his mind, and he made more money, and the more money you've got, and use it positively, you can help more people. It's easy to say you want to help a man, but if a man hungry, he doesn't want praise. He wants a piece of bread. And uh, I always laugh when I, I got involved in politics, and true and I was a state senator, and he called me, and he said, Dylan, I want to approach you to uh, the Florida arts uh, and music community. I said, no, 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 no. That would be premature. A hungry man doesn't want to listen to Beethoven uh, talk about history. He wants bread and meat for his family and adequate shelter. You know, one thing about the reality of life, if your basic needs are when, when you watch Katrina, you watch what happened in Puerto Rico or Haiti, when you are devastated and you don't have the proper things for you to survive to tomorrow, you can't think clearly. Mm. But wasn't that a basic argument between W.E.B. Du Bois and Booker T. Washington? Booker T. Washington said, no, well, we don't need nobody to become you, lawyers and, 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 and artists and all that. Know, First thing we need to do is have skills. And then once we gain skills, the then the next... I have never thought of either of them as being wrong. 
Booker yeah. T had been a slave. You can't yeah. tell a man who has been a slave as Booker Washington had been. Yeah. The was was always the intellectual. But so I always, in my thinking, have not, sometimes because the man has a different way of approaching something, a Tuskegee and every Tuskegee graduate I know, they're good with their hands, they're builders, and, 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 and so they are as necessary as intellectual. I mean, if you're smart and intellectual and can't drive a straight nail, you can't build a good house. So uh, that, 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 uh, you can argue but I don't think any one thing is better than the other. You know, mm. I, I asked your dad at always August, but it was more important to be a lawyer than a doctor. And one thing your dad accepted as a reality, you are not God as a trained individual. And uh, your friend, Dr. Fred Ritter, told me something that always intrigued me. He was in... Uh, he worked in the emergency room, and he, he was a, a surgeon. And so this guy came in, and he had both legs broken, and he had both arms broken. He was in bad shape. And he hit him with that adrenaline. Huh? Huh? And he said, he may have called him the N-word. Can you save my life? So often you have to be able to examine uh, the purity of love. Now, I mean, this man is acting ignorant, calling him out a name, and he needs him to save his life. So you can't respond uh, negatively to hatred and stupidity. And I know both of you are, I, all I got to do is say Reggie White. And you know what I'm saying. Somebody who's in your neighborhood never was, was fair. And uh, always want to take advantage of people, and, and, and you can't you can't improve the world by not being positive and using uh, the concepts of uh, Dr. King. And I, the guy that spoke for the 40th anniversary of Tobin Martin Luther King breakfast was talking about the how King. And uh, all of the writers, you know, Stokely and all of the boys, they they took the they, they took the message of King and built where we are now, uh, all the way to the presidency and beyond. And I don't know what uh, Donald Trump has done, other than because he's an avaricious, greedy, unfair, and you know, all three of you. I, I've never heard, never heard him mention his mother. And a man who doesn't mention a mother, something is wrong with him. Never in any speech that he's given or anything you've heard, he's talked about his dad, he's never mentioned his mother. And something's wrong with hmm. a man. Have you ever thought about that, Ronnie, Donald? No, I have not. Hey, Donald got a question. Go ahead, Donald. Let's get back on track. I want to talk about Dr. King. Um, okay. um, um, here's what I want to talk about. Um, in in this age of Trump, um, uh, the Republicans, Trump, um, they're all trying to suppress the vote, and uh, I mean they they've been strategic about it, they've been active about it, 
um, uh, and they're going after the vote. And the, and the vote was really something that Dr. Martin Luther King fought for, as well as many other civil rights leaders. And and uh, the only we've, from a national level, uh, we had Elijah Cummings who was out there fighting that battle, and he passed. Yeah. And I want to know from each one of you, is there someone out there now to replace an Elijah Cummings or take up the mantle of Dr. King? Because because I don't see it. Well, you, you don't see it, but that as a guy who worked for me, who just was appointed. He was working in D.C. Uh, with the, with Georgetown Institution, and the uh, mayor of Baltimore recruited him, and he knew coming. And uh, rather than the diversity, he is responsible for equity and hiring, which really is diversity. And they switched the name because sometimes when you say diversity, uh, dumb white people think it's trying to take something from them. Uh, it, we've come a long way. Uh, was there somebody to replace Jesus? Or, uh, I'd say that in reality, I think Paul Paul knew that the uh, Jewish church was failing, and that's why he had his Damascus Road experience and got up, and then he altered uh, the way you practice religion because so frequently we see bishops and Presiding elders take advantage of uh, their people. And God did not make anybody superior to anybody else. And Jesus, remember, was uh, in the manger of amidst the animals. So the whole concept of love uh, supersedes what we do in all of religion. Because if we hate and the strong take advantage of the weak, there are some people. Uh, you, 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 you know, you find people like your daddy, your brother, Obama. They are in every community, but they always get the uh, opportunity <coughs> to do. Uh, and, and what my daddy said to me when his daddy came in his room when he lost his arm, he said, God, you have lost your arm and you're going to get it back. You got two alternatives. What's that, Daddy? You can embroil yourself in self pity or get off your butt and use positive of what you got left. And that's what all of us have to do. We have to use the gifts given to us. You you are lucky. Y'all twins, y'all know each other and understand each other better than most people. But you have to use your uh intellect, your wit and your abilities to help others who don't have as much smartness as you or don't have as much money as you or whatever. But there are those, and we're doing better every day. And it's like what's happening now with these graveyards. And I, and, and I told the lady, you all know the lady was the president of the NAACP. My favorite thing is, I made you say, the moving hand rights and having moves on. Now, all your pride and our whip will lure it back of your tears cast of half a liner. We got to stop being negative, and we got to strengthen our communities, our schools, and each other. Pastors that are active. Hey, Pastor Neely, I got a question for you, because from the religious community perspective and from pastors and the people that you work with in here and here is very kind of throughout uh, Tampa Bay area. 
how okay. active are are the pastors in doing uh, uh, political outreach and talking about advocacy for your community in terms of uh, keeping the vote and standing up for your rights? I, I that's a good question, and I'll be quite honest with you. I think. I think a lot has changed uh, over the years, and, and especially in terms of the the, the black church's uh, political uh, involvement. Uh, and this is what I would say: I think there is a a what I call a sacred tension between a church being too political. Uh, and less biblical versus being more biblical and less political, if that makes sense. Yes, I, 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 however, this is what I would say, and 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 and, and I kind of want to tie it in with your, your previous question about is there anybody out there uh, ready to take Elijah Cummings' place and, and and so forth and so forth. I think we've reached a time where uh, we can no longer rely on that one voice. Uh, to speak for us, I think it has to be a a a community uh, wide effort. I think the 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 voice, the the hope, the strategy has to come from a a, a broad a broader spectrum versus one person. Uh, I also I also think that in terms of in terms of 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 the politics of it all, this is what I think. I think. We're living in a time right now where where the church has an opportunity, and I, I'm referring to not just the black church, but I'm referring to the white church as well. Uh, ha, ha, it has a, a, a golden opportunity to speak to the ills of our society uh, uh, in a way that, that resonates uh, with the community, uh, but, but it also uh, pricks the heart and conscience of those who, who are passing our laws, those and, 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 and places of, of power uh, uh, and prestige. Uh, I think, I think that the black church and the white church need to unite together as one voice, a dialogue in a way that we can, can stop throwing stones at one another and, and hear each other's perspective and agree to disagree, but to also understand that we serve the same God and we should all believe in justice for everybody, righteousness for everybody, Fairness for everybody, uh, uh, open doors for everybody, and so for instance, I give a perfect example. If if the the issue of of racism in, in our country, uh, I can, I as a black pastor can uh, can preach about racism in my church, okay, but the the majority of my congregation is ninety five percent African American. Uh, we know about racism, but the the white pastor, the my Caucasian brother in Christ, needs to stand in his church and preach about racism and the ills of society and justice and fairness, uh, so that so that the message uh, permeates everybody, not just a certain uh, segment uh, of society. So, as a pastor, I don't tell people how to vote, but I do. Uh, deal with social issues and issues that affect uh, our people uh, in, in a way that I, that I hope empowers and emboldens people to stand up for their rights and, and to not be doormats and, and to seek 
uh, our justice and righteousness, not just for ourselves, but, but for everybody. But you know what, y'all? I, to me, ultimately, what we're talking about comes down to the individual responsibility. Here's a saying by mm-hmm. Dr. King that, that, that has always meant a lot to me. I want to get your impressions of this. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. So are we all as individuals going to stand up and act responsibly for ourselves, for our families, and for our communities? And how do we hold each other accountable? Well, See, and I think, I, think, I think we need to frame this discussion, and I argue with Ronald about this all the time. Uh, uh, we've got uh, we've got those documents out there that support us as a as Americans that we should frame this, and our battle should be uh, as we fight for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And you can put several subtopics under life, several subtopics under uh, liberty, uh, like the Voting Rights Act. Under life, you can put uh, access to quality health care, and then the pursuit of happiness. What every American citizen should have the opportunity, equal opportunity, to pursue happiness. And, and, and I, you know what? Uh, I think one of the most difficult things, uh, and I heard what the <clears throat> Reverend said, and it's still the most segregated place in uh, the world on Sunday morning is church. And church. Churches have not integrated, and <clears throat> now do they fight for it. And, and uh Integration is not the key. Love is the key. Love everybody as you love yourself. But the thing is, we have been somehow separated by capitalistic tendencies and greed. And uh, we have to do more for our community. And I, I don't know whether that so. And this morning they're talking about they are getting ready. The city is not going to support the black cemetery. But it's time now that uh, we as a people have to support our own. Are we going to be fall prey to the destruction of our cemetery? Because when people, when you're powerless and you don't have power, now you got now uh, you got the young man who is from Tampa, from a police officer. Who's speaking up and who's gotten things for the community in his short tenure there because he has been consistently pushing for things for his community. And until we got power, we can't do anything. Love and power, uh, <laughs> love without power, you can't do anything with it. And I know you understand that very well. Sure. I um, you know, in listening to this, and both listening to both of you talk from different perspectives that you talk about. Uh, there's one other aspect from Dr. King, King that has always struck me is is that uh, the most persistent question that should be asked is, "What are you doing for others?" So absolutely. So I mean, let's talk about. It. Dr. King's philosophy as, as to our ability to do for others and not always think about simply ourselves. Well, uh, one of the most difficult things, I have a young lady who is in uh, Atlanta. She used to be with the Ford Foundation. 
and and the Ford Foundation does a lot, but it would really not. So she's been working on getting black basketball players, football players, and other people, and compiling our wealth for things that we see for our community. Nobody can see for our community. Roland Donald can see for Belvin Heights better than somebody who lives in South Tampa. And, and we know that. So it becomes we cannot separate ourselves because we got four or five dollars more than somebody else. So that's what we have to learn to do. And doing that your brother does and uh the like the two of you do. Uh and and, and, and it, it, it it is work and it's hard. We've got come a long way but we got a long way to go. Bottom line. Well, I, I would, I, I certainly agree with the statement about not only looking after ourselves but looking after our, our brothers uh, and our sisters. Uh, I think if we did more of that, I think you would see certainly a a serious change in our communities. Uh, I mean, we can talk about mentoring our, our young men. Uh, who who don't have a a male figure uh, and helping them to understand uh, what a, what a what a man looks like and and uh, how a, a young person can become a man. Um, I think we can uh, effect change in our community by being not only being involved with our young people but just being involved in our communities. Period. Um, uh, as mentors and, and advocates for those who don't have a voice. Uh, for themselves, and so I, I think I think somehow we, and 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 I'm kind of directing this towards the church, and I'm and I'm I'm referring to the black church right now. Uh, I think the black church kind of got caught up in the health and wealth and prosperity message, uh, and and you know God wants to bless everybody, wants us all to be wealthy and rich, and I think we kind of lost uh, sight. Of, of the real message uh, uh, and, 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 and teaching and, and, and training uh, our young people uh, how to be better citizens and, and, and so forth. I think we've, and, and I'm all for uh, the American dream and, and becoming successful. I'm, I'm certainly not uh, against that, but I think, I, I give an example. I grew up in a, a middle-class community in Chicago um, and that that were I grew up around African Americans, I grew up around Caucasians, I grew up around Hispanics, and uh, I'm, I'm quite thankful uh, for that uh, because it allowed me to at least uh, see other people's viewpoints uh, and be, and become an independent thinker. Um, but I but I but but as like most communities, it eventually became all African American because of the Great White Flight. And so what happened was we, we lived, I, I, grew up, I grew up in a middle-class community. We all grew up in brick houses with green lawns, and most of the people in my community came from, uh, from, from a home where there was a mother and a father. I only had one friend that I knew of that grew up in a single-parent home. And so there was opportunity. Uh, there was not a lack of income. Uh, there was not a lack of educational opportunity. But you and I both know what happened. Drugs infiltrated the community. And as the drugs started infiltrating the community, 
a group of older men who were all church men, by the way, formed an organization called uh, the Soul Patrol. And they started patrolling the community at night. We would be coming home from a party, and it, wouldn't, it would not be a surprise to run into a group of 10 to 12, 15 grown men who lived in the community making sure that uh, drugs uh, were not being sold in the community, their kids were safe. Uh, you know, and so it was a community effort. Uh, but what I, what I think happened, though, is that the black church at that particular time we got so caught up in the American dream that we put more stake in the American dream than we than we did in the biblical principles that helped to sustain us uh, and to bring us to where we were. And so I think part of it was that we kind of left God out of the equation, but we were still going to church, so to speak, but God was not the center of it. The American dream was, and I think we made a huge mistake, and I think we need to get back to our biblical roots at the same time, uh, uh, ensuring that our kids are educated, uh, uh, learning skills uh, that will help them to be better citizens, uh, be able to provide for their families and so forth. So I think it takes a, a worldwide effort, a community effort, that we need to get back to uh, the way we used to do back in the day. Well, let me let me just bring up something, because I think uh, with this election coming up, this is being election year 2020, uh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 Trump and his cronies have been able to uh, 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 control the courts. Um, they've been able to uh, practice and aggressively go after voter suppression. And right. I don't know, I don't necessarily know that the younger people out there understand the significance, significance of the right to vote. That's, that's our battle. I mean, Access to health care, quality health care, the right to vote, uh, a a woman's right to have domain over her own body, uh, 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 and and the right to have access to economic advantages that that white people get and that other uh, minorities and other groups don't get. Certain groups get and some certain don't. If I can jump in, Donald, because I want to let y'all know, believe it or not, We've been going for about 45 minutes. Uh, we got 15 minutes left in the show. And so this last part of the show, I want to talk about the year 2020 because this is probably, okay. at least from my point of view, the most consequential year of this new century. The most significant election in our lifetime. Yeah. And it's consequential in terms of we have to be able to not uh, – our attention has to be focused. And Donald talked about a few things about this and that. But for me, the most important thing that has to happen this year, and when you drill down to it, is registering to vote and getting out the vote. Because it, 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 it has always been our salvation in this country. We fought and died for the vote. When we use it correctly, it has always served us well. And now more than any other time in our history, we got to start, we got to use the vote, and we got to use the correct, and we got to organize. So... What are we going to do? What are some of the things we need to do, uh, Pastor Neely and, and Attorney Stewart, to organize ourselves, to become, be focused, to continue to communicate with each other so that on this next this coming election day, we're there. And we don't care about what Donald Trump has to say, what they say about us, all the racist stuff and all that. We'll say what we have to say when we cast our vote. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, 
it is going to be incumbent upon you, your brother, your other brother, and each of us, because we know the consequences of not voting. So we, and I would agree to be with you, the two of you, we not we need to start having registration drives right now and getting churches that we know of and pastors to uh, come together for the purposes of saving uh, the remnants of democracy that are left for us. Because if we get another four years of Trump, uh, there'll be some votes and they'll be sending us back to the wrong place. That's what my belief is. Well, I'll tell you that and, Craig Lattimore, our supervisor of election, Don and I work with him, and every year he's we do a yeah, we do a couple of shows with him every year. He always comes on with us, and we talk about uh, voter voter registration, what people need to do in order to uh, to become registered to vote. He's a good man, and he's willing to to come on here any uh, any time we want, and he's do, willing to do outreach to any of our neighborhood uh, organizations so that they can go out and register to vote, register to people to vote. Well, yeah, what I would like to work with you all are, and I know the young lady. In fact, I saw her yesterday. The works are uh, his top person. The uh, black girl, she's very, very helpful, and so we need to get together and, and start working on a voter registration drive and do a community wide, and, and, and it starts with us and, yeah. uh, and get Fatima and uh, other people. Uh, I'll try to enlist my pastor, and you, you know, and and, and so let's do it. I love uh, it. Okay. What do you think, Pastor Neely? Well, I, I'm I'm absolutely in agreement. I think I think um, while you you and I know uh, from an African American viewpoint uh, what our ancestors, grandparents, uh, great grandparents, and so forth went through, so that we would have the right to vote. But I think we we as pastors need to take it a step further than that, and this is what I mean. I think it is. I think it is our biblical responsibility as citizens to vote. Uh, I think somehow uh, it's gotten watered down to where that's just a societal responsibility versus a biblical responsibility. And therefore, uh, some Christians don't feel like they may vote, they may not vote. But I think when you, when, if it's explained to people and taught to people that we have a a biblical responsibility to engage uh, 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 in the government because the government has a direct effect on society. Uh, it has a direct effect on the quality of people's lives. And certainly, uh, uh, not only is the gospel uh, a spiritual thing, we want to save souls and impact people's spiritual lives, but, but God made us a holistic person. And so it's not just wait until we get to heaven. It is also uh, the quality of life on, on this side of heaven as well. So I think we need to uh, switch gears in, in the sense of the word and not just emphasize what it cost our ancestors, but to emphasize that from, from a biblical perspective, it is our obligation to engage our society uh, uh, through political channels. And main way in doing that is by voting. And let everybody know that it is the highest honor and privilege of being a citizen of this country to exercise your right to vote. That's extremely yeah, important. Amen. The people are sovereign. 
And that, uh, Donald Trump is not sovereignty. The greatest strength of Americans is that each one of us is as important as the other. And, 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 and the sovereign are the people, and the people will decide where we're going to be. And since we are the people, we got to help get more people trained and bring them into the movement. And I'm willing, as soon as you all call me, just call the meeting and get me there. And let's get, uh, I've been walking a long time. I went to the Million Man March. I went back to the Black Man's March. So maybe we got to march some more in Tampa. Uh, well, Don and, okay. I, Don and I are, com- are committed. We want to use this podcast. That's why we originally started. The first of all, because okay. it is an outreach on social media that, that at least a minimum of once a month, we're going to have a program talking about these issues okay. and voters, voters registering to vote, get out to vote. Hopefully we'll have events that we'll have people uh, scheduled to come to. Oh, more than that, we can have people dialing in live. We can do this program live and have people dialing in okay. and we can have these discussions. Online town hall meetings. Well, you know? uh, let, 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 let's, when we hang up today, Let's talk about planning that uh, with all of the organizations that we know, all the religious and social organizations we got in Tampa, and then also enlist our uh, political leaders like Les and uh, uh, the, the new girl, Citrus, and what mm-hmm. what is our uh, commissioner, Diane Hart. Yeah. And, and, and the council people. So we need to enlist all those persons and plan how we're going to do that until this next election is over. Do we okay. have a candidate? Do we have a candidate that can beat Trump currently in the group of candidates? Oh. I, <laughs> so I, in all honesty, I think that Trump has beaten himself. I, but Trump. In fact, while we were talking, I've had three things come across my screen from Trump supporters. So we got to outwork him. Uh, I, I I do believe Biden can beat him, and I can beat him. Kovachar can beat him. And uh, Bernie, I, I think it's a matter he has defeated himself because I don't think anybody basically trusts him other than that core group of very right-wing people who are in Virginia with them guns hanging off their shoulders. And they're sick, but they exist, and we got to keep fighting them. Well, if I may offer what I consider to be a my honest opinion, as of right now, and I, I just have to be honest about it, I don't see any of those candidates defeating Donald Trump. That's just the truth of the matter. I'm disappointed. Actually, just give me one moment. I'm I'm disappointed that this is the best that we could do. It's disappointing. It's not going to stop me. Uh, It's not changing my fervor or my passion. But I'm, I'm, but I'm disappointed that 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 this is the best we have to offer. Well, I think it's I, a shame. I, I I I don't know how you can say that. How do we know that they that it's the best? See, in, in a in, in a democracy, they, the people are sovereign. You have different ideas, but if you if you defeat it before you start, you can't win any kind of event. You got agree. 
you, you got the psychological belief you can defeat the man. If you like, you can't defeat him. You are going to defeat him. So uh, I, 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 I that. We, we'll keep working. I'm gonna work with you, and I'm gonna work with Ron and Don. And how much time we got left, Ron? I'm about to say we got less than we got four minutes counting down, and I want to sort of wrap up. I can't tell you how okay. happy I am. How happy I am with both of you and. And the, and the insights that you brought to us today, this is one of the best podcasts Don and I have ever done. Uh, and, out of, and what's great about it is out of this podcast, we're going to come action items that we can act on. That's right. And we can move, we can move forward with. Amen. Amen. All right. So, hey, in closing. Uh, Ron, yeah. uh, uh, Ron, she has access to work with you all, and so you can involve him and let him do some some recruiting over in St. Pete, and then you, the three of us will stay together, and you are obviously a community with Reverend uh, uh, Newman. So uh, what? I'm, I'm waiting on your call, okay? Okay, okay. <laughs> so in summary, as we end, in conclusion, I want both of you to just give us a statement as we conclude. Uh, first, Reverend Neely. My final statement would be that, uh, that the Bible teaches that there's free will. Uh, there's also, so there's human responsibility. It also teaches that God is sovereign. And so we need to do the best we can uh, to, to fulfill our human responsibility to vote uh, and to vote well. At the same time, I, I am always encouraged and inspired by the fact that God is sovereign and that no matter what happens, God is still in control. Attorney Stewart. I'm going to recite Invictus. Out of the night that covers me, black as a fit, from pole to pole, I thank whoever God may be for my unconquerable soul. And I am not going to die letting Donald Trump defeat me. And I call on Martin and all of the love he gave us all of our heroes, Mandela, Booker T. White, and the Brooklyn Brothers, and we're going to get six down Bottom line. Great. Hey, Amen. Anything you got to say? Well, well one, um, this was a wonderful show, a wonderful beginning. We're about to have our uh, first uh, primary election in uh, a, a few Hour. weeks, a couple of weeks today. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah. we're going to have Hour. an I- idea of where we head, and I look forward to Hour. it. Okay, in closing, everybody, I, I want to thank uh, Attorney Stewart. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, uh, Pastor Neely, thank you so much. To everyone who's been listening, you've been listening to uh, America's Community Voices Network on Blog Talk Radio. The subject of our podcast today was the evolving legacy of Reverend Martin, Martin Luther King, Jr. Uh, we will be doing very active this year in this consequential year. In this consequential year, of 2020, we plan on being very active. Out of this program, we're going to, have to develop action items uh, and get out in our community and organize so that, uh, so that we can register the vote and then we can subsequently get out the vote. Thank you for joining us. This program will be re- ready for you to listen to either on at blogtalkradio.com or on Facebook or on Apple Podcasts. In, in in the next 60 minutes. Once again, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to end the show now. Thanks so much, guys. We appreciate it. Have a good afternoon. All right. Thank you. Have a great thank day. You.
Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.